0: in In the name of Jesus, Amen. A reckless, raging fury. That's the phrase that comes to mind when we get to this part of the book of Exodus. Over the last few weeks, we've been making our way through Exodus, and and we've seen how the Israelites were brutally enslaved by the Egyptians and cried out to God, and how God responded. And, And so he called an unlikely servant, a leader in Moses, to let God's people go, to speak that word to Pharaoh. We've heard the promises that God has made, that he is going to be the Redeemer. And last week we talked about what it means for God to be our Redeemer. And now now we've come to that part of the story that is commonly known as the plagues. Although, just as often, we hear it described as signs and wonders. The signs and wonders. And, And what are those signs pointing to? Well, it's hard to look at them and not see those signs pointing to a reckless, raging fury on the part of God. You've got the Nile River turning to blood. You have frogs that are creeping all over onto your bed. We've got gnats and flies, hail, and tonight we've got locusts littering the land like an invading army. Sound like fun? I don't think so. It's not quite dogs and cats living together, but make no mistake, these are signs and wonders of biblical proportions. You can't help thinking that that this is what the wrath of God looks like. A reckless, raging fury. But is that all that there is to this story? I mean, if these plagues are merely a matter of God kind of flexing his muscles at a stubborn opponent, if it's just him showing that the world, this is not what you, you don't mess with the Lord. You do not cross his paths. And if you do, this is what's going to happen to you. Is that all that we're seeing in here? That if you cross God, watch out. Because look, the wrath of God is real. His power is indisputable. We see it throughout the scriptures, and we especially see it right here. His holiness isn't a matter to be tampered with, as Pharaoh learned firsthand all too well. No, we ought to come before God with a proper sense of awe and reverence. Like the prophet Isaiah, when he saw that vision of the Lord high and lifted up. And he heard the cherubim and the seraphim crying out, holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah says, woe is me, a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. He has seen God in all of his power and all of his majesty. And he knows that apart from the mercy of God, delivered by the angelic messenger whom God sends, apart from that mercy, he is lost. But that's just the point. But that's just the point because the God of awesome power is also, and even more so, shown himself to be the God of awesome mercy. A mercy that avails for you and me. He did it for Isaiah. He does it for us too. Does he do that here? Even in these plagues? Well, I want you to listen again to some of the verses that we have read a moment ago. God said, the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I've hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, that you may tell in the hearing of your son and grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians, and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. Now, on the one hand, we hear of hard hearts and harsh dealings, and we think, okay, surely God has got it in for them. That's his wrath at work. But look deeper. What is the Lord's ultimate aim in all of these signs and wonders? His heart is that sons and grandsons, fathers and grandfathers, mothers and daughters, that all of these would hear and treasure these works. See, what he wants, more than anything else, is that through these wonders, people might know him. That they might know him. See, what if we understood these signs not only as pointing to God's power, which they indisputably do, but also and even more so pointing to his mercy. I'm persuaded that if our main takeaway of this part of the book of Exodus is that God is filled with raging fury, then we have missed something even more profound, which is this. These signs and wonders aren't merely works of wrath but also, and even more so, labors of love. They're not just works of wrath, but also, and even more so, labors of love that show the lengths to which our Lord will go in order to deliver his people. In order to deliver you and me. Now, what does that mean? Let me share with you a scene from a movie that came out a few years ago called Silver Linings Playbook. Came out a decade or so ago and it's a romantic comedy but it's not your typical romantic comedy because you've got the the one character pat who's played by bradley cooper and he has just gotten out of a mental institution and then you've got the other uh his, his love interest tiffany who is still recovering from her husband's death she's played by by jennifer lawrence both of them are broken hurting imperfect people and so they're kind of perfect for each other <laughs> in their own way But in order to win Pat's heart, which is what Tiffany wants to do, she is trying desperately, but she can't get his attention. He's thick-headed and hard-hearted, as so many guys tend to be. And so in order to get his attention, she starts doing all kinds of crazy stuff. When he's out for a a jog, she goes running after him and scaring him, jumping out of the bushes. She learns about his uh, other love, the Philadelphia Eagles. And she even starts writing uh, letters from his ex. She forges letters from his ex in order to help him break it off with her. I'm not saying that these are good ideas for your courtship, okay? (laughs) But this is just what she does. All these kinds of crazy things until finally, finally it dawns on Pat that Tiffany has been after him all along. That she has gone to outrageous lengths in order to win his heart. That she would do anything in order to be with him. And then it comes, there's this climactic moment, when after Pat's realized this, it's his turn to chase Tiffany down. And to me, what he says to her next resonates so beautifully with the message of these signs and wonders. What he says to her in that moment is this. The only way that you could meet my crazy was by doing something crazy yourself. The only way that you could meet my crazy was by doing something crazy yourself. He realizes that all of these antics that she was up to, that they were actually labors of love. See? Now look, don't misunderstand me. The message here is not that God must be crazy. Okay, Although he looks like he's fallen off his rocker a little bit what with all the swarms of frogs and what have you. But you and I aren't exactly all put together either, are we? Every single one of us is infl- afflicted with the insanity of sin. We all insist on going our own way, on doing our own thing. Remember, Pharaoh's not the only one who could be hard-hearted and thick-headed. That describes the people of God, old and new and still, and our sinful nature describes you and me. Hard hearts, thick heads, where it can be difficult for God to get through to us sometimes, left to ourselves. You and I, no less than the Israelites of old, are stiff-necked and stubborn, and the only way that God could meet your crazy and mine was by doing something crazy himself, see? It was, if he was going to get through to his human creatures, he knew, he knew that he would have to go to outrageous lengths like showing up in a burning bush, like sending flies and hail and locusts in abundance and like giving his own son to be plagued by death for us soul. See, to look at it, to look at it, anyone would think, this is what the wrath of God must look like, right? This is what the wrath of God must look like. And indeed, people at the time esteemed him, stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. The hard heart of all humanity had now fallen on him. The cross of Jesus Christ is the most painful plague of them all. But if that's all we see, We miss the profound point of the cross. This is not a work of wrath. This is a labor of love. A labor of love for you and me and all the world. These are the lengths that our Lord would go to, that he did go to in order to make you his own. So that you and I might know him and his merciful heart. So that we might share with our sons and grandsons, daughters and granddaughters, our neighbors, and anyone who will hear it people with hard hearts and people with closed hands that all might know this is the indomitable, unstoppable, stubborn mercy of our Savior. Or as the late great Christian musician Rich Mullins once sang, and I'll close with this. In his song simply called The Love of God, he sings, there's a wideness in God's mercy I cannot find in my own. And he keeps his fire burning to melt this heart of stone. Keeps me aching with a yearning. Keeps me glad to have been caught in the reckless, raging fury that we call the love of God. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.